Hello! Last weekend in Mexico City, Formula E held the first race of Season 9 and its exciting new Gen 3 era. However, one team sadly absent from the starting grid was, of course, the Tachita team, who won the team's championship in Seasons 5 and 6 and took John Verne and Antonio Felix da Costa to three drivers' championships and 15 race victories in total. They were in the series since the very beginning of Formula E in their previous guise as Team Aguri. And someone who's been a mainstay in all 100 races with the squad is former team principal Mark Preston, who joins us now, along with Formula E's own zone, Jack Pickering. So, Mark, uh, Pico, how you doing? Great. All good. Uh, looking forward to discussing Formula E history and future. Yeah, good to be uh, yeah, good to be here. Um uh, in uh, looking forward to find out the, the ins and outs of uh, the Alta Cheetah team. Yeah, exactly. And Pico, if you have any questions, feel free to butt in and chime in at any point. I'll I'll try not to like interrupt properly, but we'll, maybe we'll, not mid question. We'll so. see how it goes. We'll see how it okay. goes. Okay, good start. Right. So uh first off, Mark, we have to talk about the somewhat elephant in the room, which is of course the reason that Tachita isn't on the season nine grid, which is unfortunately, as you said in the stream that we did with Joshua Birch uh, the other day, it was basically to do with money essentially. The deal couldn't be put together for season nine. Uh, what can you tell us about um, how close the team got to being on the grid? And uh, if you can't tell us anything, then what do you plan to focus on during your sabbatical year from Formula E, essentially? Yeah, I mean, motorsports um, often, you know, about uh, raising um, finances, as, as you know, and can appreciate from many discussions, obviously, with drivers and, and other people. We got quite close to, um, to uh, finalizing things for for season nine, but just uh, couldn't quite pull things together um, at the last minute. But um, yeah, pushing very hard. Um, the plan for the future, unclear right at this minute. Um, I'm now working with Lola Cars on, on what might be um, the future for Lola and, and how that might uh, uh, go into the future. Whether um, I'll be in Formula E, I'm not quite sure, um, but certainly be around racing and obviously enjoy uh, being around alternative energies, alternative fuels, all the new things that are coming in motor racing. So you never know where we might end up um, in the future. That's great to hear, Mark. And we've just been joined by uh, Keith Smout, uh, the former commercial director from Tachita. So Keith, are you there? I am here. Good morning. Well, Excellent. Good morning from Canada anyway. <laughs> of course, yeah, I know it's a very different time zone for you guys. I can. I, is it okay, Keith, if I immediately ask you a question? Now you've just popped in. Sure. Yeah, okay, so I, I just asked Mark about um, how close Tachita got to being on the grid in season nine. We know in the end it came down to money, and I understand you have a lot of experience with that area. So could you tell us, uh, I'll, I'll put the same question to you then, how close did you get to getting on the grid for season nine? And uh, what do you plan focusing on during your sabbatical year from Formula E? Well, uh, I'd say, unfortunately, we were really close. We we probably should have been on the grid. Um, it wasn't for a matter of the sort of commercial side from a sponsorship perspective. It was purely on the investment side and, and the team being purchased. And, um, you know, this was actually a, a two-year path, I would say, uh, Mark and I were on to, to get that to happen. And um, at the end of season seven, we thought that that was all done and dusted. And when that actually ended up uh, basically falling apart, uh, which happens on investment sometimes, um, we spent the last year in season eight more in a position of, I don't want to use the word desperation, but 
you know, any major investment takes a long time to happen. So we unfortunately uh, just couldn't reach it. Uh, we were very close, but we ran out of time in order to get to the grid properly. We just didn't have enough time to um, put all the pieces together. I think that's probably the uh, the way to look at it. Um, I would say we we're about 80% of the way there, but we just couldn't get that final bit together in time to to make it happen. Well, I know it certainly wasn't for want of trying. I've talked to a lot of fans of Tachita who are all really disappointed towards the end of last season when it seemed inevitable that Tachita... Well, they all thought it, you guys wouldn't make it. I sort of thought in the back of my head, crossing fingers, touching wood, maybe, maybe it, it could happen. But like you say, just that last 20%, that was what was missing, it seems. I actually, I find it, and I'm I'm sure Mark shares the thing, it's actually like a gut punch, you know? You, you, you build the team and, and, and Mark... And I worked a long time together in Formula E and Formula One before. And and when it's like somebody, it's your child in a way, and somebody takes that away from you. I, I can't ex explain it any other way. And you you have to actually almost go through a mourning process, in my opinion. So, but you know, uh, you ask the question, what am what am I doing personally? Of course, I'm I'm working with Mark on on seeing what we can do uh, in other projects in Formula E and uh, see if we can get back on the grid with with some other opportunities and then i'm also um, going to be spending time uh, working with the canadian sale gp team so i'm going to do that as well um, for the year at least no matter what uh, as we see what happens and works on these other projects so i wanted to stay in racing but um, i also as a canadian wanted to do something that that uh, has the um, interest of the country so sail gp is pretty exciting kind of you know f1 on water sort of idea uh but say sustainable at the same time so it has nice alignment with what we've been doing the last eight years and uh to do a canadian project was exciting for me as well morning Absolutely. keith i just wanted to uh, uh i just wanted to ask because you just said that you you went through like a morning process with like the whole cheated team going under um was it then difficult uh, last weekend to watch Mexico and not be there basically yeah I mean uh, especially for Mark I don't think Mark ever missed a single race and and I'd missed a few but um, to not be on the grid for the first race and especially in Mexico where it's really exciting and you know there's been a lot of questions about Formula E this year and the new cars and, and things like that so to see the event go off what appeared very successfully um yeah, again, another bit of a gut punch when you're looking at the uh, grid before the race and you're expecting to be there and you're expecting to be there with teammates and friends and things that you've you've uh, become extremely close with. Yeah, I'd say it's a another disappointing um, situation and it's very cold in Canada, so I would have liked to have been in the warmer Mexican sun than here, but, uh, you know, that's reality, you know. Unfortunately, the bottom line about sport these days and probably has been this way for years and years and years it's business and money and without those things you don't uh you don't always get to participate and mark i know you were watching the race with me so i have a live stream of all your reactions so i know pretty much how you were feeling while we were watching that um uh, if you were i know obviously it hurts not being on the group but i think you did hide it very well and you put on a great uh, show for josh which i think we all really appreciate so uh, i so thanks for that again not a problem as always in it was interesting watching it from outside and um working with you guys on the on the live stream and uh, and uh, actually having to answer questions along the way so uh, yeah good 
Yeah, I made a supercut of all the questions that Josh and I put to you. We put a lot, so I apologize for putting you on the spot so much, but you gave some brilliant answers. So uh, anyway, shall we move on to um, season eight then? So it certainly had its high points with, uh, of course, Antonio Phoenix Costa winning in New York and Jev being a consistent podium finisher and sort of staying in that. He was one of the big four that was in the title hunt until the last four or so races or so when, unfortunately, things didn't quite go uh, John Eric Verne's way. Uh, so how do you both assess the final, the swan song season of Tichita? Because uh, it certainly felt like uh, uh, the year overall, I think the entirety of Gen 2 and uh, the final season of season four, you put it all together. You guys were never outside the top three. It was an incredible period of consistency when that for a lot of teams, that was very hard to find. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty competitive, obviously, with the two Mercedes teams. Um, effectively, I think that that was the beginning of the proper I'd say four car teams, if you want to call it that. There's obviously um, some of them happening again this year um, where, you know, there's a lot of strong teams like um, Penske with um, Maserati and, and those kind of things. I think that really started to add to the competition level in, in Formula E. Obviously, Jev and Antonio did a good job, although I think there was some missed opportunities. Um, but perhaps, uh, yeah, Mercedes was a little bit too strong, um, but it was a pretty exciting year. We... We qualified well in many of the races, but we didn't race as well as we had in the past and obviously fell back a couple of times in, in races when, you know, we're on pole, et cetera, like in, um, in Jakarta and those kind of things. So a little bit disappointing that we didn't have the race pace, but we're obviously still uh, super quick. My opinion on this is the same as Mark's in general. I think that we always proved with, you know, a lesser budget than somebody like Mercedes was had and spending and probably Porsche, maybe Jaguar even, um, that we were always consistent. I think that not to continue to to harp on about it, but I think season eight was a bit of a difficulty. Um, Mark, especially, and I, we had our eyes on other things that needed to be done in order to continue the team. And I think that that always causes a little bit of instability because people are always questioning what's coming next and wondering what's happening. And so, you know, I'd like, I put it down to that, as part of the situation that, that, you know, you, you, you take your eye off the ball a little bit, doesn't make it as easy to, um, to uh, focus purely on the racing side. So, and, and I think that especially somebody as important as Mark is to the overall functioning of the team from a racing perspective, having his eye on other things probably, you know, just those tiny little bits. And we know that it, you know, the sport is about millimeters. Um, so if you lose a little bit of that uh, attention, then, you know, it can be difficult. So um, unfortunately, that's just, again, back to the reality of sport. It, it, you, if you're not 100% focused and you're only 99.9, .9, that's the difference between winning all the time and, and just being, you know, there and consistent, but not quite as uh, competitive as you want to be. My next question is about DS Automobiles. Obviously, the partner who you won season five and season six with so brilliantly, uh, they they made the deal, of course, uh, to partner up with the uh, Dragon Penske team uh, quite early on, I think. And I was wondering what both of you, what your reactions were were to that news when you found out. I mean, they're they're a car company, so they obviously had to um, hedge their bets and make sure they had a um, secure consistent future um so we worked really closely with ds as we had done over the last previous years and and they were aware of everything that was going on on our side so i think um 
I'm not saying it was a mutual decision, but we all um, we all went along the path uh, together and, and didn't want anybody to be, you know, caught out by any surprises. So um, they they worked as close as they as close as they could do, um, considering they're a, you know, a big uh, a big corporate. Yeah, and I think they didn't want to make the change. I think that's the the reality of the situation. I'm not sure we in the end left them any choice uh, stability was the important thing we worked very closely with them especially thomas Solosier, to make sure that uh, we could continue and and uh, they were nothing more than um helpful and uh trying to give us every chance to make sure we could continue but at the end of the day you know as mark said stability is the key and they needed to go in that route so uh, zero blame on their part in in, in my opinion I thought that question went a lot smoother than I thought it was going to. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's hard, right? Um, you know, you kind of say, look what we've done for you all this time. But again, business is business, unfortunately. From a pure sporting perspective, it worked really well. And uh, But, you know, I wish them the best and, and I hope they continue to win because we're part of the foundation of them uh, being built towards that. Um as much as Penske's come in and we know their record from the past, the majority of the team is what uh, was built in the past anyway, the foundation of it. It's still a big chunk of it. So it's, it can be called whatever it wants to be called, <laughs> needs to be called, but we, we know the the foundation of what it is and, and the people that are there. So Keith, you would know uh, better than some of us because in seasons two and three, you worked for the Dragon Penske team. As I remember, I remember meeting you in uh, London in the end of season two. Um, yeah. And But then at the mis middle or end of season three, you were enticed to work with Mark again because you had worked with him at Aguri and then you worked with him again at the Tachita just after it had been formed. So I'm, I'm always wondered what was, and Mark can answer this too, uh, afterwards what was your what was mark's pitch for you to join him at tachita <laughs> i'm not sure it was mark's it was funny i never really wanted to leave aguri in the first place so i didn't really see eye to eye with the owners that had come in uh in between um again a necessary situation but i never really seen eye to eye to them and uh i believe it was at the mexico race actually we had just done the golf sponsorship and uh for me it came to an end it really had zero zero to do with mark it was a personal decision and it was based on owners and uh i walked down the grid and had a chat with jay penske and i joined jay two weeks later jay is a different kind of individual for me he he's quite a savvy businessman and i'd say actually he's one of the smartest commercial people understands the commercial side of sport really well and there have been a lot of ideas that have come out of jay in the in the series that you guys wouldn't be aware of but were quite forward thinking and sensible because you know uh my background came before f1 and stuff as professional sports in north america and i always believe that we need to have a different way of looking at motorsport from a cooperative perspective uh, that all the teams work together to make it better, which there is an amount of on the technical side in Formula E, but on the commercial side, not always. Um, and, and so Jay was forward thinking in those ideas, but Jay didn't have the budget to do things the way that were done by Mark 
and Tachita and Aguri even in, in the days before Tachita. So I was never super of the belief that, that Dragon would win. And so it was an easy decision for me to go to, to Cheetah, A, because number one, I like working with Mark. And I believed that um, there was a real opportunity there. It was not the easiest place to be either, um, because I'll just be frank, in my opinion, um, our Chinese ownership didn't understand what needed to be done to become commercially successful. They didn't understand to look beyond what you do on a day-to-day -day race team to create a proper business that had opportunity to make profits or, or be in other business sectors. So, you know, Mark and I actually, strangely, even when I was at Dragon and he was, you know, finding his way with the Chinese ownership, we were still talking all the time about commercial matters and things like that. So in year one at Tachita, I think Mark would admit they didn't really do much commercial at all. It was reliance on China being um, a big part of, um, you know, thinking that they were going to get sponsors out of China of, of their own um, connections. That's not really realistic. Uh, China very seldom from scratch when I joined. Okay, sorry, Keith, you broke up a little bit near the end, oh, but I think sorry. we got uh, most of that. It's not your fault, don't worry. Mark, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, Keith, big hire, and of course, I Keith said there, uh, that he always thought there was a better chance of winning it to Cheetah, but he couldn't have known the incredible success with those uh, three driver's titles and two teams championships that you guys sealed together. Well, I think maybe I'll answer it a different way. Do you remember, Keith, when um, we first won, I think, our first race and our first championship um, at Tachita? Um, I think you said, this is the first time I've won something in <laughs> motorsport um, because... <laughs> When you join F1, it's kind of a weird thing, F1. You know, the teams are so big and um, it's so r rare in some ways that you end up the right time at the right place at a Formula One team that um, even Jeff, you know, said the same thing, that he'd been in F1 for X many years. And when we won the first race in um, Montreal, that was actually the first race he had won himself for, I think it was five or six years because that he, you know, the previous races he'd won were in before he entered F1. So um, actually, I think um, it was probably true. Come and win some races with us, um, and uh, yeah, won more and more championships uh, as time went on. Um, so it was probably that's the first time probably having won for a while there. Is that right, Keith? Yeah, I mean, I remember the day when I said. Oh, we're we're on pole position. I, I've been in motorsport all these years. I've never had a pole position. And then we got the podium and I was like, oh my God, I, we had a first place. I've never been in first place. And winning the championship then was just unbelievable, right? So it was, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a shock to the system when you actually win after, you know, trotting around in Formula One. I had some podiums and things, uh, both with Jaguar and, and British American Racing, but never, never the top step even. So it was really quite incredible an experience, right? And then to move forward from that championship to another one and, uh, you know, be working with Pedro De La Rosa, who Mark and I both known for years, and I had worked at, in Christ, back to Arrows and uh, and Jaguar together. That was a great experience as well. So, you know, fundamentally, no matter what happened, you look back and you had those amazing uh, times and opportunities. 
Indeed. And so my next question is actually about that on the similar theme. Uh, so um, uh, to you both, how do you both reflect on the incredible journey? And I guess it dates back to Aguri as well, doesn't it? That you guys went on at Aguri and then to Cheetah together, where you went from underdog customer team to uh, all conquering work squad. And uh, to, to put it more succinctly, uh, what's the, what are the things you're going to miss the most about the, uh, t- about the team? I think the biggest thing is that... Um... It sort of we proved that it takes time to build up, and I sometimes compare it a little bit to what Mercedes has done in in F1 and and some of the things you look at in some of the successful teams, they don't just happen overnight. You know they build up over time. You know even if Mercedes in Formula E started as HWA and you know built up to it um, uh, over time, the same is true in um, in uh, Formula One, and it's the same true. In Formula E, you know, we started in season one, obviously, uh, a group of the guys like Leo Thomas and and others joined us in season two. And then Antonio was with us in season one and two, and he went away on a sabbatical, we call it, you know, at BMW. And then he came back and won straight away. And and Jeff had been building, helping us build from season three. So if you look at it, it was a, a long building process. So that's probably the most frustrating thing is that the next team, whatever team we get involved in, um, there'll be a building process required no matter what. And, you know, you see the same thing in every sport. It takes time to develop. And that's, that's I suppose, the frustrating thing to um, have built something to a winning team. And then um, you need to really start again. Yeah, and I'm, I feel the same way about Mark, about starting over and having to build up. Although it's a challenge and it's, it's exciting, it's, it's never easy. Um, but I'm going to miss the dysfunctional camaraderie we had as a team (laughs) but we still all pulled together and made things happen and when you have a whole bunch of different cultures and people from different countries and stuff all together and and you still make it happen it's pretty cool and um i'm gonna miss celebrating the championships and uh, tequila i miss tequila as well (laughs) well i mean we can get that anytime but certainly the reason to drink after a race victory it's not it's not going to be that yeah i'm not i'm not a drinker as mark knows i don't really drink but you know tequila after a championship is uh, necessary (laughs) so next question i have is um uh about uh obviously to cheetah it built up a a very loyal fan base over the years and a lot of them are wondering uh, of what comes next for you guys obviously I know there's only so much you can tell us about that because it's sort of in the works at the moment. But uh, can you guys tell us anything about the plans for the future for either of you? Yes. Um, so I, I've joined uh, Lola Cars and, and looking at um, with Till, who who has um, taken that over, at you know what the future of motorsport might hold for for Lola. He's keen to take it back to the um, to its its history. Um, and that probably means, you know, single seaters and, and prototypes as they, as Laurel had done over the, the previous uh, quite a number of years, I think since 1958, but also with a, a focus on the future as to, you know, new uh, energy powertrains and that could, you know, branch as widely as um, synthetic fuels, hydrogen, EV powertrains, and we'll see where that, you know, that takes us. But that's going to be an exciting journey because it's allowed me to, step back and look at motorsport as a whole, uh, which I haven't done for a while. And so that's really a, a fascinating um, journey that um, I'm on at least um, with uh, with Lola. Yeah, and um, 
uh, well, I'm consulting for Lola because I'm not allowed to do any work unless Mark lets me so and tells me what to do. So, um, yeah, I'm commercially consulting for Lola at this point in time and, and uh, will become more involved depending upon how things go from a racing perspective and, and what we're going to do. Uh, I love the heritage of the brand. I've always been a, a brand person, obviously, from my side of the, the fence. And uh, I think Lola's a great brand. It'll be great to, you know, live or tread off its history in some ways, but to create new things is is exciting to me. And, uh, and I'm hoping that as part of that, the beyond, you know, chassis manufacturing and all the uh, things that Mark alluded to technically that we're doing some other uh, things that, that are, are race-based and, and we'll see on that. Um, and then um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm um, going to be the, uh, I am, so I should say the chief commercial officer at Sail GP Canada. So um, we're working on that as well. Oh, that, that's a really excellent to hear. But yeah, <laughs> the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's still, yeah. you guys working together and it's still really heartwarming, I have to say. I don't know how to work without Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm you're doing yourself I feel a, bad a disservice there, that. Keith. I feel bad for Mark about that. <laughs> okay so final question i have on, on this section is um for you both who you'll be cheering for uh this season i'm assuming you guys are both going to cheer with one of the three drivers that you worked with very prominently at tachita of course uh antonio jev or andre lotter is it going to be any of those three or is you guys going to be cheering for anyone different this season um well i, I i'm quite close friends with with andre uh we spend a lot of time talking um so i would say my my thing would be to pull for them i'd also like to see andretti be successful and and uh i hope the porsche engine works for them i think it's really important that porsche do well uh for the series so uh we'll always pull for antonio i mean mark very early on of course had had antonio in his radar and had him in the team at Aguri so I think that obviously we have a soft spot or I do as well for him but um in general uh, I I just like it to be a good season I'm I'm not a huge fan of the cars uh, lots of people aren't um but I thought the race looked fast and uh interesting out of Mexico and maybe it's just a different perspective of watching it on TV which I haven't done much but um yeah I, for me it'd be Andre uh, plus he's you know he's an old guy like me so it's perfect you know, see the old guy do all right yeah i'll probably have to uh go for antonio just because you know he got it he got my first win in season one um and so and, and had been with us for a number of years and helped us build up but obviously jev and and andre are also very close to our hearts as well so uh all three of them um, I don't mind jumping ship when one of them's at the front. I'll just say I was going for them. So, you know, it's always good for the guys on the podium. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to do that now. You're not actually uh, running a team. You can just switch to drivers from a completely different team, pretend you're supporting them all along. <laughs> so anyway, I think, thank you very much. That was pretty much all the um, questions I had about Tachita. Unless, Pico, you had any? Not in particular, no. Um, however, I uh, uh, I will say because you, uh, uh, you guys were talking about season eight and everything. Um, one of my prominent memories from last season, because I spent most of the year with... Um, in in and around the paddock and uh my final walk down pit uh down the pit lane uh antonio felix da costa came past me strapped to i think it was a tire um uh, one of the tire wheeler things covered in booze and cake i think it was 
and that was one of my favourite moments, I think, of the season. Yeah, that was yes. a fun yeah. moment. That's quite good. I think that's becoming a standard thing. Didn't I see Nick DeVries uh, have the same thing in F1? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he did. I think it started with Sam because he got, I think he got taken to Jag covered in something, I don't know, um, from Envision a few years ago. But Yeah, yeah, we were happy to get rid of him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no one does deliveries quite like to cheater, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, it's uh, it was a it was a fun time. Antonio is a really um, affable, affable kind of happy guy, and uh, we had a very different um, dynamics in the garage between him and Jeff. Although I'd say that uh, Jeff was a bit of a revelation last year, a very different sort of mindset. I don't know if it was marriage and babies that made it different, but um, a little mature, less um, what's the right less volatile maybe less grumpy anyway and uh but antonio is always the kind of guy who just comes in with a big smile on his face and and uh it kind of really lifts the garage which is good too but you know at the same time there's that type of approach and then there's the type of approach with somebody like jev who's whipping getting the team whipped into shape right so sometimes that really works and other times happy and go lucky happy go lucky works as well so interesting dynamic between the two of them so um it'll be interesting to see how they do they obviously didn't have a great weekend uh uh at, at ds Bensky. um antonio was a little better so i i, I imagine uh, it must be hard for porsche i assume the you know have a customer team for the first time that that uh, beats them fairly handily i guess so anyway the the point is is that um, um we'll we'll be watching with interest and and as Mark said, yeah, he probably took the smart route. Whoever whoever's on the top step is who we were cheering for. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I'm sure we'll be watching with interest too for the rest of the season. 